You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think there's something interesting that if nothing had happened in Watergate at all, there may have been another scandal in the Nixon presidency before it even began. One that never would have gotten press, never remembered during his presidency, but is developing in historical discussions as more facts come out. And uh, he has been saying uh, to the Allies that you're going to get sold out. You better not give away your liberty just a few hours before I can preserve it for you. Mrs. Chenault is contacting... Uh, We talked about how we don't know uh, Nixon directly ordered the burglary in the DNC headquarters and probably didn't, most likely didn't. On the tape, though, on his tapes, there's a direct reference to breaking into the Brookings Institution in Washington, D.C. Blow the safe and get it, the president says. And what he means he's talking about is a file of secret government documents relating to the 1968 bombing hall, which had been transferred after Lyndon Johnson's presidency, to the Brookings Institution. Henry Kissinger, who he's talking to, says, what good will it do you, the bombing halt file? To blackmail him, Nixon says. Lyndon Johnson had halted the bombing of North Vietnam less than a week before Election Day. Nixon always thought that Lyndon Johnson did this for political reasons. The race in 1968 was so tight. But it became tight between Hubert Humphrey and Richard Nixon in the last week. Voters didn't take Hubert Humphrey seriously, particularly the protesting voters. He had a little labor support. That was about it. Traditional Democratic voters. That was about it. When it came time to the protest vote, Hubert Humphrey didn't have their support after the Chicago convention until he makes a speech in Salt Lake City hinting that he's going to go for unconditional bombing halts. LBJ joins in a week before the election and announces a bombing halt and that negotiations are coming. 
Okay. What happens is there are some statements from Van Chu, the leader of South Vietnam, that uh, he may not attend a conference. The Nixon campaign goes right out with that over the weekend between the announcement of the bombing hall and election day, saying, hey, things aren't exactly as the president had said. Look at the two statement. We have information that there isn't going to be a peace conference as easy as, as what it seems. So the campaign got very involved in foreign policy. But behind the scenes, there was a interesting a development. And from the incumbent president, Lyndon Johnson's point of view, he had very little doubt that Nixon, through operatives, had reached to South Vietnam and told them to hold off participating in the president's peace conference. Everett, how are you? All right. Uh, I want to talk to you as a friend and very confidentially because I think that we're we are skirting on dangerous ground and I thought I ought to give you the facts and uh, you ought to uh, pass them on if you choose. If you don't, why, then I will a little later. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, on October the 13th, uh, an agreement with uh, Chu and Key concerning the bombing halt. Yeah. Uh, at that time, uh, President Chu stressed, quote, there must not be a long delay. That is a delay between the halt and the conference. Yeah. On October the 15th, Chu agreed to a proposal that uh, we had worked out of 36 hours. Yeah. On October the 23rd, after the North Vietnamese demanded two or three weeks, yeah. Chu reluctantly agreed to three days delay. On October the 28th, we agreed on a joint announcement. Yeah. Bunker and Abrams reached an explicit agreement with you that the gap between the bombing and the talks would be two or three days. Yeah. With three days the outer limit. Yeah. Uh, both Chu and Key stressed on us the importance of a minimum delay. Then we got some of our friends involved. Uh -huh. uh, some of it's your old China crowd. Yeah. And uh, here's the latest, latest uh, information we got. Uh, the uh, the agent says that uh, she's just they just talked to the boss in New Mexico, uh -huh. and that he says that you must hold out.
Uh, while this was going on, we went out to Chua and talked to him and all of our allied countries, and they all tentatively agreed. Yeah. Now, since that agreement, we have had problems develop. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. LBJ is livid about this. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He's besieged by the Vietnam War and his presidency wants to make it right in the tail end. And he felt strongly, partially because of the Nixon campaign's antics, that he was denied that chance. So now, you're talking about this Nixon's president and he's asking about a burglary of the Brookings Institution trying to get these files. Throughout the 1968 campaign, Nixon publicly promises not to interfere with the Paris talks. We all hope in this room that there's a chance that current negotiations may bring an honorable end to that war. And we will say nothing during this campaign that might destroy that chance. That's what Nixon says in the 1968 Republican convention in Miami. But a week before Election Day, Johnson gets a tip that Nixon was trying to sabotage these negotiations comes from a highly credible source, Alexander Sachs, chief economist for Lehman Corporation, informed Johnson that he had learned from Wall Street colleagues closely involved with Nixon that the Republican nominee was trying to frustrate the president by enticing Saigon to step up its demands. By that point, apparently, North Vietnam had accepted Johnson's terms, so a deal was close. South Vietnam privately, according to the president, Lyndon Johnson, had also accepted his terms. Here's what he says to Nixon.
LBJ receives this word. He asks the national security to start bugging South Vietnamese uh, to give him the information from a bug that already exists on Van Chu's uh, office in South Vietnam. And he orders a bug of Nixon's campaign plane where everything's being run from. Here's what they get from Van Chu's office. Van Chu says, I'm still in contact with the Nixon entourage, which continues to be the favorite, despite the uncertainty provoked by the news of an imminent bombing halt. I explained our firm attitude. Now, attention in this focuses on Anna Chenault, who is an Asian-American Republican fundraiser who has contacts in the South Vietnamese government. The FBA tails her. Doesn't take long to hit pay dirt. Three days before the election, the FBI sends the White House this report. Mrs. Anna Chenault contacted Vietnamese Ambassador Bui Diem and advised him that she had received a message from her boss, not identified in this case, which her boss wanted to give her personally to the ambassador. She said that the message was that the ambassador was to hold on. We are going to win. He understands all of it. That day, President Chu announces South Vietnamese would not send a delegation to the Paris Peace Talks rendering any settlement in the war impossible for the time being, and stalling a little surge that Humphrey had in the polls. According to Lyndon Johnson, in a phone call to his friend in the Senate, a Republican, Everett Dirksen of Illinois, he says, this is treason. The Logan Act prohibits private citizens from interfering with the negotiations of the U.S. and foreign powers. Now, This is not a scandal that erupted while Nixon was president or even that much in his life afterwards. So we don't have a great Nixon side of the story or defense. But to the extent that Nixon comments on it in his memoirs, it's simply that Van Chu was just following his natural political instincts. He feared that if Humphrey got elected, they would abandon South Vietnam. And he's the leader of South Vietnam. Why wouldn't he want Nixon to win? That's the Nixon take on it. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Anna Chenault in 1980 writes a memoir, and she states that she directly liaisoned with John Mitchell via direct personal numbers that were changed every several days. Nixon thanked her in 1969. She complained, and Nixon said, yes, I appreciate that. I know you're a good soldier. DM, the Vietnamese ambassador to the United States, who fled to the United States after 1975, he recounted a private meeting with Nixon at the Hotel Pierre in New York City, July 1968, attended by John Mitchell and Chenault. Nixon thanks him for his visit and added that his staff would be in touch with him through John Mitchell and Anna Chenault. And Nixon directly says to DM that he would see that Vietnam gets better treatment from me than under the Democrats. So you have all of this information, and you have this buried story of an infuriated incumbent president. But Johnson never goes public with what he learned. The best that he does is he says to, he calls up Senate friends, then he has a confrontation with Nixon directly on the phone, gives the information to Hubert Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey decides, last days of a campaign? Are we going to unleash this monster of a scandal? It's going it to, could, it could backfire. I'm starting to see a surge in the polls anyway. It's not good for the country anyway to, to reveal this type of news story that a candidate might be interfering with foreign policy, with negotiations, and he doesn't bring it up. Okay, so a reminder that the website is www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. There's a link there to the premium podcast from myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. If you sign up for the premium podcast, you're going to get extra episodes. Some of them are archived episodes. What you've just heard is from Get Your Nixon On. This is a podcast that we did in 2014. It was a comprehensive podcast about Richard Nixon, his life, his presidency, Watergate, China, everything, and we included this story. You get that as part of the premium podcast. So consider that www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. We'll have that full episode there available to premium subscribers. I also want to mention I'm on Twitter at myhist, at M-Y-H-I-S-T. So definitely sign up. I've been Tweeting a lot more, I'm going to be tweeting little historical stories and notes and some images, so uh, you don't want to miss out on that. I don't think it's a surprise why we posted um, this one, this little snippet. Uh, just Saturday morning, uh, the president had tweeted about... Uh, how he feels, there was no evidence cited that he was bugged by his predecessor, President Obama. Nothing seems strange anymore to me, but there certainly is a historical precedent for this in this story we just talked about, where it is pretty clear that Lyndon Johnson, um, through the FBI, Jagger Hoover told Nixon that 
Lyndon Johnson ordered him to do it. Through the FBI, bug Nixon's campaign plane and some of the aides. But there was certainly good reason for it because I think all evidence points to the fact that Nixon was involved in this. Since we recorded this cast in 2014, there's been some oral histories revealed, and one of them was Tom Charles Houston. And Houston is an aggressive Nixon loyalist uh, who really wanted Nixon to go after his enemies in even a more aggressive way than Nixon had contemplated and developed a, a secret plan for that. He had been interviewed, and the National Archives released that in 2014, And in that, he was asked, and he answered that most certainly the Nixon campaign aides were involved in talks with the South Vietnamese and scuttling those talks, that John Mitchell, the campaign manager, was involved, he confirmed. And while he couldn't find any evidence that Nixon was involved, it would be inconceivable to him that Mitchell would act alone. When this came out, it wasn't surprising to me, because I think there's just enough there to see what likely went on in 1968. Well, one more note. The new theme song, that is from Chris Novembrino of the Don't Worry About the Government podcast. He's also a musician. And uh, get in contact with him. He's over at uh, www.dontworry.tv if you need music for a cast or anything else that you're working on. Thanks for listening, and consider subscribing to the premium podcast, www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. Hello all, Eric Rivenis with the Most Notorious Podcast here. Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers, and have a safe tomorrow.